listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Yesterday, we talked about the importance of knowing not just your direction, God's direction for your life. Your direction should be streamlined with God's. It shouldn't be different than God's plan and purpose for your life. And uh, so we we covered that yesterday, but all week we're going to be dealing with, um, all week we're going to be talking about how to make 2021 the best year of your entire life. And uh, for some of you, this might have been the best year of your life. For others, uh, you might have had to uh, overcome some attacks. But what I'm telling you is this, you can prepare yourself for the best year you've ever had. God's plan, and I understand, you know, there's people that are just coming into this revelation. I understand that not everybody has uh, had the revelation of faith for 20, 30 years. I understand that not everybody uh, has experienced uh, faith preaching and teaching uh, for their whole life. Some people may have just gotten saved. Maybe people are just coming out of uh, bondage. Maybe people have literally are growing in the things of God. I totally get that. But here's the encouraging thing. Wherever you are today, right now, wherever you are today, you can go to a better place. That's the key. You can continue to increase from wherever you are. In fact, I always tell people to to confess it this way. This will be uh, the lowest I'll ever be. This will be today. This is the lowest I'll ever be in Jesus name. This is the lowest I'll ever be from this point forward in Jesus name, because God has never ending increase prepared for his children. So just start today by a confession of faith. Put that in the comments. Today is the lowest I'll ever be. Pop it in the comments by faith. And no matter where you are, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter what else has happened, declare it today is the lowest I will ever be in Jesus name. And uh, I agree with you. We've had a phenomenal year, Lenan. Uh, this is the best year that we've ever had in the ministry. It's the best year we've ever had in our lives, Carolyn and I. And um, it's only going to get better. It's important to remember, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. If you're one of the righteous people of God, that you're on a different system than the world is. And so I want to encourage you. There's my friend, Wes Barbie. Love you, buddy. Uh, I want to encourage you, no matter where you are today, this is the lowest you'll ever be by faith. You're continuing to go to next levels uh, continually. Hey, Letty, love you. Glad you're on today. And so I'm encouraging you to share this. Yesterday we dealt with part one. Today's part two. And uh, very important, very important thought we're going to cover today that will prepare you. Now, before I jump into that, let let me say this. Why am I talking about this? Hey, Britt. The reason I'm dealing with this, watching from home, is your mom watching with you, Letty? If she is, hello to Letty's mom. Um, The reason I say that is this. I feel the Lord speaking to us that, and I I shared this yesterday, I'll briefly hit it again, that 2021 is going to be a year to run in the anointing of God, in divine momentum, acceleration, that he's going to allow us to outrun every enemy by the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, 
in 2021, I felt this, uh, several scriptures that the Lord's impressed on my heart. Number one's first Kings where Elisha, the hand of God or Elijah, the hand of God came upon him and he gathered up his garments and he ran ahead of the King's horses and chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel, 13 miles. Some say up to 30 miles. Other scholars say out ran the King's horses and his chariot. It was his enemy. Ahab wasn't his friend. It was his enemy. Ahab and Jezebel were killing the prophets of God and God put the anointing on Elijah and he outran his enemy. And I believe that's going to be us. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and they'll not grow weary. They will walk and they'll not faint. That's going to be our story, by the way, in this upcoming year. We will run and we will not grow weary. We will walk and we will not faint. But it's not for everybody. It's for the faithful. They that wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah. They that wait. You're not waiting on him like he missed the bus. You're waiting on him like a waiter would wait. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? What can I get you? Those that serve the Lord with gladness, they that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. So watch this now. There's renewed strength in serving the Lord. If you'll do what he has called you to do, what he's asked you to do, he provides the strength to do that. You know, there's people that say, um, Man, I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how you and Carolyn, you're always traveling. You're always on the go. You're always in another state. You're always in another revival meeting. Well, the reason that we're able to do it and not burn out is because the Lord's called us to do it. If, if he calls you to do something, there's a grace to do that thing. See, the reason that we can run and not grow weary is because we're doing what the Lord has called us to do. When you do what the Lord has called you to do, then you can literally run and not grow weary. You can walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord, you see that? And so that's why yesterday we began by talking about the importance of figuring out what it is that the Lord has called you to do and doing only that thing. Figure out what his purpose is for your life and do only that thing. And that's the key. And today we're going to deal with part, part two of this. And we're going to be dealing with this subject of distractions. Very, very important to see this today. We're talking about the dangerous trap of distraction. And this is one of the things, especially now in 2020, things pulling our attention in every direction. You've got to beware of distraction. It's something that will destroy the plan of God in your life. And so uh, it's going to be, and Britt's saying, I never thought it would be making cake pops. The Lord will open doors that you had no idea. I love how uh, the Bible says it in Psalm 77, a pathway no one knew was there. (laughs) Hidden pathways. When God opened the Red Sea, Psalm 77, verse 19. I think it's the new living that says a pathway nobody knew was there. God will open doors for you. And uh, people don't know, you know, uh, Brit's being blessed literally 
with her cake pop business, making cake pops from home, and they are phenomenal. And now I believe she is shipping. If you'd like to get some, they're off the chart. But you'd never think God could use something like cake pops to bless you. God could use something, some, uh, something you stay at home and do from home. God would use it to bless you. But God has a way to bless you. The, a pathway that nobody knew was there. And the key is knowing your purpose and staying in it. And of course, that was yesterday's broadcast. Today, we're dealing with uh, the danger of distractions. And let me tell you, the devil will do his very best to distract you. Look at the first thing uh, as Jesus is called into the ministry and he goes into the wilderness. He's filled with the Holy Ghost at the Jordan River. He's turned 30. Now he's beginning his ministry. He goes into the wilderness to fast and pray. And while he's focused on seeking the Lord, Satan showed up to do what? To tempt him and distract him, to get him off of what God wanted him to be on. And so you have to understand something. Ben asked, somebody said, Ben asking that same here. What, what have you been asking? Did I miss something? Tiff in the comments. You scroll back. Somebody said, I've been asking that. Oh, what if, if, uh, if Brit ships, <laughs> check her out, but understand this, that once you realize and have an understanding that number one, the enemy is out to distract you. And number two, distractions will destroy you. They'll cause you to fail in your purpose. Do you know, I was reading a book called the one thing, I believe it's by Gary Keller. Uh, he starts the book with a Russian proverb. And the Russian proverb says this, anyone who tries to catch two rabbits catches none. Anyone who tries to catch two rabbits catches none. You can't chase after two different rabbits and expect to catch one. It's hard enough to catch one. But the point he's making and the point of that Russian proverb is without focus. If you don't focus on a goal, you cannot accomplish it. And one of the things that Satan is a master of is distraction and deception. He'll actually tell you things and try to show you things to stop you from trying to uh, do what God's called you to do. And so he did it to Jesus. He did it to Adam and Eve. I mean, you go through the whole Bible, that's been his mode of operation, that he'll continue to try to distract, distract, distract. It's the same thing he'll try to do to you. He'll try to distract, distract, distract. And so I want to deal with this today and show you some things, but let's start in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. I want to start in two different places, Hebrews chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read you a verse from each, but let's start with Romans or with Hebrews chapter 12. So catch this now. And I read a little bit of this yesterday. We're going to repeat it again today. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so there are things the enemy will try to send into your life that will be a weight. I want you to put this in the comments section, if you would, 
Every distraction is a weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. Every distraction is a weight that hangs on you, that keeps you from being able to run your race with endurance, with acceleration, with momentum. Every distraction is a weight around your neck. Every distraction is a weight. And the reason I want you to see this so clearly is because the enemy has a plan to distract you. But why? Here's the question. Why does he want to distract you? Because the more distractions he can place upon your life, the more he can weigh you down and hinder the race you're called to run. If he can weigh you down with distraction, he can hinder you from the race you're called to run. Think about this. When you are doing something, you know what they tell us? And that, actually, that would be a great book for everybody to check out, The One Thing by Gary Keller. But one of the statistics he breaks out in that book is that uh, when people are interrupted in their work, when people are interrupted in their work, it takes them almost double the time to get back focused on the task in which they were involved. So if you're at work and somebody comes by your desk or somebody comes by your cubicle and they, they interrupt whatever job you were doing to talk to you and to, hey, hey, let me just talk to you for a few minutes. And they have all these things that people are stopping by, managers stopping by. They've proven now that it takes double the time to get back into the focus of the task that they were doing. The other thing is this, is that they've realized that multitasking is a lie that you, nobody can successfully multitask and actually have the same kind of quality that they could if they focused on one thing. Amen. You know, even my dad uh, used to say, and he still says to me, um, often he, he said this, he said, I, I try to do one thing a day. Very interesting. I try to do one thing a day. And that, that's focus. My, my father is teaching me on the subject of focus. I try to do one thing a day. I put my focus on it. I put my work and my, I put my strength to it and I accomplish and accomplish one thing a day. I don't try to run in 17 different directions. I don't try to go, you know, and do 92 things. I do one thing a day, accomplish it, get it done, get it off the list, move it out of the way and move on to the next thing. In fact, what you'll find is that if you will focus on a thing, of course, we know this just by common sense, but if we would focus on a thing, it actually allows you to speed accomplish, if you will, speed accomplish that thing. I found it interesting that one of the things that, um, that, and, and I'll, and I'll give you another heads up about this in a second, but I was, I was listening to Dave Ramsey one time talk about paying off debt. And I thought this was interesting that Dave Ramsey, if you study the way that he teaches that people should pay off debt, he teaches something that uh, if you listen to him, you'll know this phrase, it's called the debt snowball, the debt snowball. And what he's talking about there is he says, for example, let's say you had credit card debt and student loan debt or whatever. And he said, let's say you had three credit cards and a student loan debt. Well, one of the things people are tempted to do when they pay off debt, just by common sense is, well, find whichever card has the largest interest rate and pay that one off first. He actually does not 
suggest you do it that way. He suggests you do it this way. Take whichever one, whichever of your debts has the smallest balance, regardless of what the interest rates are. Whichever one has the smallest balance. So let's say you had a, a credit card with 200, a credit card with 600, a credit card with 1,000. He said, start with the 200. And the reason that he says that is because there's something that happens psychologically when you see that debt wiped out. It's a goal accomplished. It's a task done. It does something to you psychologically that gives you a new momentum to keep working towards goals. When you complete something, when you get it out of the way, it actually causes you to build momentum. I, I accomplished that. I completed that. That credit card is paid off. It makes you feel something different than trying to put a little bit towards each three, three of the three cards and they both just sit there in front of your face. I still have three debts. I still have three debts. I still have three debts. Rather than paying the minimum balance on the other two and throwing all your extra at the one till it's gone. Then he says, move on to the next one. Throw everything you got at that till it's gone. And what he's, what he's showing psychologically is that as you focus on one thing, it actually, it, it doesn't just help you uh, as, as you're doing it faster and faster, but it actually helps you in your mind and it actually helps you psychologically to build momentum and acceleration and make you want to keep working towards that task. Something happens when you accomplish and complete a task. Uh, I don't know if you've ever studied this before, but it's even why when people, um, they, they, they've actually discovered this even about the military. You know, that's why when you read these guys that are, uh, uh, now they're motivated, they used to be, um, they used to be in the military, now they're like public speakers and now they're like coaches or whatever. You know what's one of the interesting things, and I don't know if you can pull this up, Tiff, or not. There's a book, <clears throat> I can't remember if it's the name of the book or if it's just something they wrote about, but it's called like make your bed. I think it's called make your bed. If you just Google that, put like military, make your bed leadership book. But one of the things they've discovered is if you will complete a small task in the morning that gives you a sense of accomplishment, it actually will affect the way you work throughout the rest of your day. Is it Jocko Willink? Okay. Yeah. Put that in. It's, it's, that, 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 that is actually the name of the book. Make your bed by William McRaven. Is that his name? William McRaven. So, and he was former military and Jessica said there's a YouTube video on it. And so what they've, what they've discovered is that just by accomplishing a small goal at the beginning of your day, it actually puts a momentum into your life for that day to keep completing goals. Very interesting. There it is. Make your bed by William McRaven. Oh, Jackie Blake said, I love that. We show that in the drug rehab that I'm doing at the, the internship at. And so they, they show that to people. So understanding by accomplishing something early, completing a task that it actually gives you that sense of accomplishment. And then it puts that momentum on your life for the day to keep completing tasks. There's uh, there's something I, I remember when I was, I remember when I was uh, studying music when I was a little bit younger and I was just on my own studying it. And I was going through things by um, Chick Corea, who's probably 
uh, one of the greatest jazz pianists of our time, uh, Chick Corea, he said, you know, when you're studying a complex piece of music to try to learn it, he said, don't try to learn the whole thing at once. He said, one of the things that, that will help you, especially for people that are, that are trying to learn jazz or even the stuff he's composed, which is amazing. But he said, don't try to learn the whole piece at once. He said, break that piece down bar by bar by bar and learn that first bar and get it. I know, Ben, I'm still working on that one. But uh, he said Spain by Chick Corea. I, I know. But you, you understand that that's first bar. Work on that first bar till you've got it down. When you do move on to the next bar and master that one. It's like the old adage, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> you have to take it in small chunks and the small, the small chunks that you work with allow you to keep seeing that sense of accomplishment. And as you're moving into 2021, I'm going to give you some scriptures here. We're now in Romans 12, but one of the biggest things is that distraction. If we're constantly distracted all the time, we will never accomplish the things God's called us to do. We keep getting pulled off. We keep going to do other things that don't matter. We keep getting involved in things that have nothing to do with our purpose. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And it literally is just a waste of your time. It's just a waste of your time. So listen to this, Romans 12, and I'm going to read to you verses uh, one and two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see that? And so understand this. If you're conformed to this world, you look at the way the world does things. You'll go in a hundred different directions. Do you know how few focused people there are in the world? Truly focused. Very few. You know, there's, there's something, and I'll, I'll share it with you. Google it, look it up, read it for yourself. Um, there's a principle that has bounced around the business community for decades, but it's called the Pareto Principle. And... It was obviously named after the guy that, that came up with the theory, but the principle is if you look at a pyramid, 20% of the things that you do produce 80% of the results in your life. And I'll put, if you, I don't know if you want to type that in, um, the Pareto principle, um, but that's, that's the theory is that 80%, they call it the 80, 20 rule. 80% of the results of your life that matter are taking place because of 20% of the decisions you're making, 20% of the actions that you're taking. And so the principle is there to encourage you analyze like what you're doing. What are the things that the small amount of things you're doing that are producing the most fruit and what things are you doing that aren't really producing anything? that aren't really bringing you further. It's literally a waste of your time. And so here's the question. Can you then, once you've analyzed that, can you double down? Can you double down on the 20% that's actually producing your results? You know, it's like, instead of, and this, I dealt with this yesterday because I told you people get bored. 
in their calling. And it does happen. People get bored. And so uh, as a result, they start trying to do other things rather than focusing on, well, what is actually working in what I'm called to do? What's actually working in what I'm called to do? Let me double down on that and see the results increase exponentially. Instead of doing that, they just start going off to the side and doing things that don't matter. Going off to the side and doing stuff that literally doesn't bring them any closer to accomplishing their purpose. And so it's a distraction. It's something that I see that, you know, once people start getting distracted, they just, and then they get frustrated. Watch this. They get first, they get distracted because they're frustrated where they're at. They're not breaking through to the next level. They're not seeing more growth. They're not having more uh, happen as they expected would. And so here's what they do because they get frustrated. They pull away and start doing things that would just bring them comfort. Or they just start doing things that would take their mind off of what they, that what they should be accomplishing. So they'll start taking vacations or they'll start traveling or they'll start playing more golf or whatever it might be, whatever it might be. It's because they're frustrated that they're not growing or they're not accomplishing what they should be accomplishing. So it's just in the same way in the world, if people are upset about how their job's going, their marriage is going, what do they do? They'll start going, so they'll start drinking. They'll start doing stuff to just get their mind off of, of, of what's going on. No, instead of doing that, analyze what are the things that the Lord has led me to do that are actually producing growth, that are actually producing increase in my life. And it might be the small amount of things that you're doing, double down, double down. I'll give you an example. It's like, um, you know, I didn't do anything really crazy. I remember, I remember, um, you know, I just, you've heard me talk about it that like, I was just like completely, completely overweight. I was the heaviest I'd ever been in what my life really back in end of August, September. And I just decided like, I'm, I'm not going to keep being in that place, but I didn't do anything like crazy. And it was just small changes. I started realizing just like small changes. I'll just tell you two main changes that I made Two, That's really it is that, uh, removing carbs from my life and then just nothing. I wasn't doing like six days of intense workout, you know, where I'm going to the gym and doing, uh, you know, uh, you know, what, what are they, what's that workout that everybody does? No, what's the one that ever, where they flip the ropes and all that and, you know, CrossFit. CrossFit. I didn't start doing CrossFit. I didn't start doing crazy working out. You know what I started doing? Just walking around my neighborhood. Just literally walking around my neighborhood. Walking outside. I'd walk, you know, for a half an hour, whatever it might be. You know, walk half an hour, walk 45 minutes. So literally two changes in my life, just two. Two simple ones. And it's not simple to your flesh, but it's not like they're complex. Literally cut out carbs, walk 30 to 40 minutes a day. And in, and in 70 days lost 30 pounds. It was actually less than that. It was like 60 something days, 60 something days, um, lost 30 pounds that quickly. And I'm still going to lose more, but, but it wasn't because I did something crazy. It wasn't because there was this complex plan that I had to hire somebody to come up for. No, it's literally two simple things. But what I realized is even though they're just two little things at the bottom of the pyramid, if you're just faithful to do them and focus and don't get distracted off of it, 
Look at the, like, exponential results quickly. Like, quickly. It's like, it, it's like when people say, like, I lost 30 pounds last year. Yeah, I lost 30 pounds in two months. Because what happens is people don't focus on the thing that they want to do. It's like um, I, was, uh, I was talking about learning a new instrument recently. And, um, you know, you have to make up your mind. Like, if you really want to do that, are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? If you're going to do it, throw yourself at it. That's the key. If I'm going to do something, uh, remove distractions, throw myself at it. If not, what's the point in doing it? Like, if you're not going to do it, do it, then why do it? If you're not going to do it all the way, why do it at all? And so uh, here's the point I'm making. If you allow distraction, go with me to Proverbs 4. If you allow distraction into your life, see, you can't, you can't go into 2021 expecting it to be the greatest year uh, that you've ever had and be pulled in a hundred different directions and think you're going to see violent extreme increase. It doesn't work that way. You have to be focused. You've got to be focused. L- listen to Proverbs 4. 25 Proverbs 4 25 listen to this verse the Bible says let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you have you ever seen uh, even with, uh, if you've ever seen a horse drawn carriage, have you ever seen a horse drawn carriage? Maybe you've been to New York city. Maybe you took a ride in one through central park. Maybe you live in, the, in an area where there's Amish people and you've seen horses drawing carriages. Have you ever seen the blinders that they put on their eyes? Have you ever seen a horse wearing blinders? If you haven't Google it and look at the picture, there's a reason that horses wear blinders when they're doing that job or that task. It's because horses can be easily spooked or distracted. And so rather than doing that, they cut off the peripheral vision of the horse and only allow them to look where they're supposed to be going. There's a reason why the blinders are there. And Proverbs is saying the same to us. Look directly forward. And look at this, set your gaze straight before you. Don't look backwards. Don't look backwards. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. I press toward the mark, the high calling in Christ Jesus. We're we're forgetting those things. See, the devil loves to distract you by continually bringing up your past. Well, who do you think you are? Don't you remember all the things that you've done in your life and where you've come from, where you've been, and you're going to tell other people about Jesus. And it's a distraction because he's trying to get you to look backward. When the Bible says in Proverbs to look forward, gaze directly forward, put the blinders on and get ready to run, put the blinders on and get ready to run. Don't allow distractions to move you off of what God has planned for your life. If you want to see God move, if you want an encounter with God in 2021, then focus yourself and put the blinders on, gaze forward, uh, press toward the mark. There's got to be a mark. Press toward the mark. Amen. Let uh, Let me share this with you. When I came across this, I thought, man, that is one of the most powerful thoughts And I'd never seen it this way. It's in Genesis 32. 
Go with me to Genesis 32, and I'm going to show you uh, something that I had never really seen. I'd never really seen this. And then the Lord showed it to me in this context, and it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. It's Genesis 32. We're going to start reading verse 22. This is the story of Jacob wrestling with God to receive a new name, which God gives him by the end of the night. But in order to get, in order to get an encounter with God, look at what Jacob did in order to have an encounter with God. Uh, Genesis 32, let's start with verse 22. The same night he arose, Jacob, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. Verse 23, he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. You see that? And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That man was God. But catch this. Notice the action that he took before the Lord showed up, before he had an encounter with God, any of that. Look what he did. He removed himself from everybody, his wives, his servants, his children. He made them all cross the river and go to the other side and all of his possessions, all of his possessions. He sent everything across. And, the, and I love what the Bible says in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. That is key. I, now, in fact, I want you to put that in the comments. Jacob was left alone. That's an important thought that I want to deal with today. Jacob was left alone. We're talking about distractions. If you want to have an encounter with God, you've got to remove distractions. That's why if you, if you go to the uh, old time saints, they used to always talk about their prayer closet. And, and that was a literal place. They would go into a closet or a small room that was designated as a place of prayer and they'd pray there. Well, why would they do that? What's the point of doing that? The point is, I'm not out in the house around everybody else. It's a place of solitude. It's a place where I can be uh, by myself and focus myself on prayer. The TV's not in there. Netflix isn't in there. My laptop's not in there. My iPad's not in there. It's a place of solitude. They used to call it a prayer closet. And they would go in there to pray. It's like if you read um, A.A. Allen's book, the price of God's miracle working power, he went and locked himself in a closet and said, I'm not coming out until the Lord speaks to me. It was a place of solitude and Jacob was left alone. One of the reasons that we, many people in this generation don't hear from the Lord is because there's too much other noise going on in their life. They got too many other things happening. They got too much, their phone's always on. People are always texting and calling. Their watch is always buzzing their wrist. Their iPad's always going off with a notification. They're always got something on television. They're always going to do something with somebody. Always got an appointment. You've got to come to a place in your life where distractions are removed if you're gonna have an encounter with God. I've got to remove distractions. If I don't remove distraction, it will bring destruction. If I don't remove distraction, it will bring destruction. 
Write that in your notes, put it in the comments, never forget it. If I don't remove distraction, you see, it will bring destruction. Now look, I want to show you this. In Luke chapter 10 and verses 38 through 42, I want you to see this. The Bible says, and, and this, this one always is interesting to me, very interesting to me. The Bible says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This is Luke 10, 38 through 42. But notice what her sister Mary did, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, many things. Notice where her uh, focus was on many things. But one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Notice Mary was not distracted. Martha was distracted. Jesus praised Mary for her focus and corrected Martha for her distraction. Do you see that? Jesus praised Mary for her focus and he corrected Martha for her distraction. And so what was the difference? The difference is if you've got Jesus in your house and he's sitting teaching, you want to hear from the master. Mary understood that. And she sat and placed her focus and placed her attention on Jesus. Martha was moving around and he said, you're anxious about many things. You're thinking about all these different things. Focus, focus on me, focus on my presence, focus on the fact I'm here to teach you. And she wasn't focused. So he brought correction. He said, I'm not going to tell your sister to get up and help you start serving. You need to sit down and focus like she's doing on what I'm saying, what I'm teaching. She has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken from her. You see that? Hey, Pam, that's right. If you don't remove distractions, it'll bring destruction. Jesus praised Mary for her focus, corrected Martha for her distraction. Without question, without question. And see, if you're distracted, I'm going to jump back to Matthew 14. Let me show you what happens when you're distracted, when you should be focused. Look at this. Matthew 14. They were in the ship, the disciples, Jesus comes walking on the water. Then he speaks to them, says, take heart. It's I don't be afraid. Now look at verse 28, Matthew 14, 28. Peter answered Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. You see this? Peter was doing the impossible as long as he was focused. <laughs> Catch this today, man. 
Peter was doing the impossible as long as he was focused. I'm going to say it again because it needs to get in our spirits. Peter did the impossible as long as he was focused. But the moment he became distracted, what did he do? Took his eyes off of Jesus, who is the word made flesh, took his eyes off the word, took his eyes off of God and put his eyes on what was going on around him. He began to sink. I do not plan on having a 2021 where I sink to lower levels. I hope that you can hear this and receive it today. I do not plan on having a 2021 where I sink to lower levels. My plan in 2021 is to do the impossible. Hallelujah. My plan is to do things I've never done before with the help of God, accomplish things I've never accomplished before by the help of God. But the only way to do it is to remove distractions and focus on what the Lord has called you to do. Focus. Peter did the impossible until he was distracted. Distraction is destruction. Distraction is destruction. As long as he was doing what Jesus said to do. Oh man, I could get on that. I could teach on that for probably another hour. I won't, but I could. As long as Peter was doing what Jesus commanded him to do. Man, thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at that. Notice what Peter said. Lord, if it's you, command me. Command me. Thank you, Jesus. Command me to come out to you on the water. So notice this, Peter was following a command of God. If you will do what you've been commanded to do, you can accomplish the impossible. But the moment you become distracted, and that's what happened to Peter. You know that that's if you think about it, that's really just a moment of doubt and unbelief. Because He's the one who knows Jesus can do the impossible. He knows he's walking towards Jesus. He knows Jesus already spoke and said, come. And he's been doing what the Lord called him to do. But then he starts to take into account the waves created by the wind. And what he's actually doing, which is causing him to sink, by the way, what he's actually doing is he's putting himself in a position where he looks at the waves and says, well, maybe, maybe these waves could still take me out. Maybe even though Jesus said, come and has empowered me to do the impossible, maybe the natural order of things in this world could still take me out. He starts giving credence to the storm. And the moment he starts to believe in the storm, oh man, I could preach on that right there. He starts to believe in the storm over Christ. What's, what's happening? He's believing in the natural realm. And what does he do? Begins to sink, begins to sink. I have no plans. I want you to write it in the comments. I'll not sink in 2021. 
I will not sink in 2021 in Jesus name. I will not sink glory to God in 2021 in Jesus name. Distractions will not overtake me in this new year. I will not sink in 2021 in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I will not sink. That's it. Put it in the comment section. I refuse to sink in 2021. I'll not diminish. I'm not going to diminish in 2021. I'm only going to prosper. I'm only going to grow, only going to increase because I'm going to be focused on what God said and what he called me to do. Focused on what God said and what he called me to do in Jesus name. Hallelujah. I'll not, that's right. Put it in the comments. I'll not sink in 2021. I refuse. I refuse. I'm not looking at the wind. I'm not looking at the waves. I'm not looking at the news. I'm not looking at the media. I'm not looking at the culture. My eyes, I look, I'm looking unto Christ Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. Let me explain to you why that's so important. If he's the author and the finisher of your faith, because if he's the author, it's the only way he can be the finisher. But here's the good news. It means nobody else can be the finisher. The devil doesn't have the authority to finish you. Hallelujah. If the devil lied to you and said you're finished, you should laugh because you begin to understand you can't finish me. You didn't start me. You can't be my finisher because you're not my author. I've been saying it for the last year. Devil, you can't stop me because you didn't start me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Devil, you can't stop me because you didn't start me. And that's what you need to declare. If the devil tells you it's the end, he tells you you're finished. He tells you you're going to die of a sickness. He tells you you're going bankrupt. He tells you your marriage isn't going to work out. Tells you your children aren't coming back to God. You just start laughing and say, devil, you can't stop me because you didn't start me. Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. That's it. That's it. And the devil has no access, no access. You take your authority and do not allow him to distract you from what you've been called to do. Don't allow him to distract you. Look at what Jesus did. (laughs) Mark chapter one, verse 35. Mark one and verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. What's the point of that? What's the point of the wilderness? What's the point of the desolate place? What's the point of Jacob sending everybody across the river? The point is I'm getting into a place where there are no distractions. I'm getting into a place. Why do you think Dr. Cho in Seoul, Korea, pastor of the largest congregation in the world, over a million members, Yoido full gospel church, Seoul, Korea, he built Prayer Mountain, which is an actual mountain with prayer grottos built into the side of it, where he still frequents it and goes and people can go and stay there and stay in a grotto 
and you're there by yourself and you just pray. Why do you think that they did that? And they understood prayer has changed their nation. It's changed their church. It's caused them to be the largest congregation in the world. It was actually through Dr. Cho when Bishop Oyedepo came back to Nigeria, he started to see the church growth he was believing for because he learned how to pray from Dr. Cho. And why do you think they built those prayer grottos? Why do you think that that they took the the lead of Christ and and others that were going into the wilderness, going into 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 solitude? Why? Getting distractions out of the way. Removing distractions to the place where I can focus on what the Lord's called me to do. You know why even many people in the ministry can't accomplish what God's called them to do? is because they're doing a bunch of stuff that's just a distraction. If you're watching me and you're a minister, you're not called to do everything. You're not called to do everything. And so I want, I actually want to show you this because there came a time, even in the early church, where they had to come to the realization We're not called to do everything. We're not called to do everything. Let me pull it up for you. Because what they started to realize was if we start allowing If we start allowing ourselves to be pulled away or distracted from the thing we're called to do, it will greatly affect what we can do for the Lord. The apostles realized this in the midst of a successful ministry, in the midst of a growing uh, early church, they came to the realization, we can't keep doing everything and expect God to still move in the same way and to have the same success. So what are we going to do? Delegate our distractions. Those of you that are uh, watching me, maybe you're a leader of a team, maybe you're a pastor of a church, whatever it might be, delegate your distractions, things that you shouldn't be doing everything. How are you going to be prepared to do all that God's called you to do if you have to do every single thing? Learn how to say no. Learn how to delegate distractions. Listen to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, I'm starting in verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, those are the Greek-speaking Jews, by the way, Hellenists, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. You see that? Don't give up the word of God to serve tables. Don't stop doing the thing God called you to do, to do something smaller. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But look at verse four. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see that? They could not have dedicated themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word if they're doing food distribution all day long. It's it's just a distraction. Was it necessary? Yes. They needed to do it. They needed to feed widows. They needed to take care of those that had needs. No question. They must do it. But 
That's not for them to do. Delegate the distraction so that you can do what you're called to do and continue to increase and see growth. Notice, because of what they were doing, the Bible says, they were seeing extreme growth and increase in the body of Christ in the early church. But they understood and recognized, if we stop doing what we're doing, the growth will stop. And that's where many people end up capped. Because you, by yourself, can only do so many things. And so what do you have to do? Delegate distractions. You may not want to hire staff, but you may have to because you can't do everything. So here's the categories, by the way, two categories that I want to give to you before I go further and close this out today. Two categories of distractions. Okay. Two categories of distractions. Number one, distractions that you shouldn't be involved with. That's the first category. Distractions that you should not be involved with. These are things that have nothing to do with your purpose, nothing to do with your calling. They're literally just wasting your time. You're pulled in a direction because maybe you're interested in it, whatever it might be, a distraction you should not be involved with, and it's a waste of your time. That's, that's category number one. But category number two is something that we just read in Acts chapter six. These are distractions that you should be involved with. These are things that do need to be done. They actually may even pertain to your purpose at a lesser level or at a support level. Uh, and, and they do need to com- be completed. They do need to get done. But you're not called to do them. And that's the ones you need to delegate. You delegate those distractions. I'll give you a practical example so you understand what I mean. Uh, let's say you were a pastor of a church And that literally you had all these different things to do. You have to do uh, all this landscaping on the church, plus all these hospital visitations, all the, you you got all this work to do. That's work. That's literally, it's gotta be done. You have to have landscaping on the church property. You have to visit people in the hospital. You have, you know, all these things have to be done. There's all, I could list a hundred things that pastors have to do. You got to figure out what you're doing for your website. You got to figure out what you're doing for your graphics for Sunday. All these, yes, and they take time. They do need to get done. You don't need to be doing them. They are distractions because they pull you away from what you should actually be doing. And so you delegate distractions that need to be completed. Those are ones that do pertain to your purpose in some way. So you have to be, uh, discerning about what type of a distraction you're dealing with. Is it something, uh, there's, and, and there's three types. I should say the third, one of them is distractions sent by the devil. The second type distractions initiated by your flesh. And the third type distractions demanded by your purpose. So let me, let me say those again, distractions sent by the devil distractions initiated by your flesh and then third distractions demanded by your purpose that would be the one i dealt with last hospital visitations landscaping graphics worship whatever my website if you're a pastor but then let's say what about the ones that are generated by your flesh these these might be just things you're interested in 
things you like to do, things that you w- would want to get involved with, really doesn't have anything to do with what you're called to do, but you enjoy it. And the, the, the danger here is to spend too much time doing things you enjoy rather than doing what you're called to do. It's not wrong to have a hobby. It's not wrong to watch a movie or it's not wrong to enjoy a show. It's not wrong to do, you know, like, yeah, billions of baking. Not wrong to do those things. But you got to understand if you do them so much, you know, if you're playing four hours of golf five, six days a week, you've got a problem because you're actually being distracted from working and accomplishing your purpose. It's not sent by the devil, but it's something your flesh enjoys and you've got to curb that and you've got to get that distraction out of the way. Don't let it become a distraction. Don't let a hobby become a distraction. Don't become something you don't, don't allow something you enjoy doing uh, to become a distraction. Still enjoy it. Still have some time for it, but don't let it pull you out of your call because you're frustrated that there's no growth. Go back and analyze what was causing the most impact in my growth and double down on it. And then finally, there's distractions sent by the devil. These could be people that come to malign you, to talk about you behind your back, to mock you. These are people that may persecute you. These might be people that try to pull you out of. I mean, think about this. Think about people that suggest that you do things that the Lord never told you to do. Oh, they, they may even have good intentions, but the enemy will send people into your life to start to tell you, oh, you should be doing this. If, if, if it were me, if I were you, I'd be doing this. You know, you should do this. They'll fill your head with ideas. They'll fill your head with all these different things that God never spoke to you to do. He never told you to do it. You know, you might be doing well as a pastor or whatever. And somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you should actually, you should plan a church in this city too. You should start over here. I'm telling you, I think you do really. And then starts talking that up, talking that God never told you to plan a location in that city. And so you're just doing something that was actually a distraction sent by someone that was there to pull you off your purpose. I'll give you another one. What if you were a um, youth pastor, praise and worship leader at a church? And you got somebody in the church comes and say, Hey, I really think your leadership gifts are phenomenal. I think you should leave this church and plant your own church. Lord never told you to plant a church. Lord never told you to leave where you're at. He called you there to be whatever worship leader, youth pastor, whatever you're doing. God didn't tell you to leave that church and go do your own thing, but you got people in your ear. Oh, I think your leadership uh, skills are phenomenal. You're, you're far, you're far ahead of where this current pastor is. You should go start your, I'm telling you, if you'd start your own church, you'd be so blessed. I'll tell you what, you'd have so many people coming to your church. God never told you to go start a church. And so the enemy will use people to distract you and get you off of your purpose. Your flesh will distract you with things that enjoys doing. And the temptation then is to throw your time into stuff you enjoy rather than what God's called you to do because maybe you're frustrated where you're at because you've not seen the growth you want to see. And then finally, again, number three is, is the distractions that are demanded by your purpose. Things that do have to get done. It's just that you can't be the one to do them all. You know, if you're going to decide to do everything for everybody as a leader, you can only do that for so many people. That's why some pastors that pastor churches will never uh, pastor more than 100 people because you can't do everything and expect or no, with no delegation and expect to grow beyond that because you can't. Number one, God cares about you too much and loves you too much than to kill you with the work. 
And number two, you're not going to be able to care for more than that personally without having any help or any systems or any staff. And so it just works that way. You have to understand that distractions will keep you from increasing to the place God wants you to be. 2021 is going to be a year that we run with momentum. It's going to be a year that we go to the next level. But in order to do that, you don't just need to know what God's plan and purpose is for your life, but you also must remove distractions from your life. You've got to remove distractions from your life. You have got to stop allowing things to hinder you and and things that would, you know, I'd say it this way, streamline your life. Streamline. Let me give you a couple of areas. Get rid of hindrances. Once you do what I said yesterday and determine what God's specific purpose is for your life, then the next thing you can do is remove anything that's hindering you from doing that thing, whatever it might be. You know, let me give you an example of my own life. If I'm called to be a full-time evangelist, traveling minister, and, my, and God's called me to, to travel around this nation, around the world, if I'm working a full-time job, I can't continue working that full-time job and being a full-time traveling minister. I can't do both. And so if I know, see, here's why it's important to know what God's called you to do. If I know he's called me and asked me to do that, then I start to realize this job is a hindrance to my calling. I either have to leave it and step out by faith, you see, or I have to just ignore what God's called me to do and stay working the job. Well, that would take faith. Yes, it takes faith, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So once I know what I'm called to do, I can remove the distractions that are keeping me from doing it. The hindrances, what obstacles? Here's here's a hard one for people. What relationships? Do you have relationships in your life that are holding you back from accomplishing what God's called you to do? Are there people that are telling you, you can't do it, shouldn't do it, won't do it? Are you guarding your life or are you allowing just anyone to be in your life? Guard your relationships. Wrong relationships can be distractions and you got to guard yourself. Old patterns. Do you have old habit patterns in your life that keep you from being able to do what God's called you to do? If you've missed a podcast I've done, I've even done it in a broadcast form on five areas of your life that you must master or they'll master you. I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because there needs to be these goals in every one of those five areas. Everyone, your spiritual life, your mental life, your physical health life, your financial life, your relational life, all five areas. You must have goals. You must know what God wants done. And if there's anything that presents itself as an obstacle that's holding you back, including old patterns, well, we've always done it this way. This way my family's always done it. Yeah, but your, your family never saw victory in it. So why would you continue doing something in the way that you've always done it? Family's always done it. Tradition. Tradition cancels God's transaction. Tradition cancels God's transaction. 
Tradition cancels God's transaction. Well, we've always done it this way. We've always, we've always, you see? And so here's the key. If it's always been done that way, but you've never seen steady victory or increase, stop doing it that way. Stop doing it that way. Don't always, don't keep doing that. (laughs) But people, you, it sounds funny when I say it like that, but you'd be surprised at how many people won't. They just keep doing it. They just keep on doing it. (laughs) It's insane. Move it out. Be faithful to the things that are building you. Be faithful to the things that are producing fruit. Let me say that again. Be faithful to the things that are producing fruit. That's why I mentioned that Pareto principle. Probably, if you'd, if you'd analyze your life, 20% of the stuff you're doing is producing 80% of the results in your life, business, or ministry. Double down on those. Get the excess out. Burn up the chaff, the stuff that's not working. Don't, one thing I learned, there's a guy named, uh, a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a media uh, marketer, has a media company in New York. If you go to watch him online, I warn you, curses like a sailor. But one of the things that I did learn that he said, don't be romantic about the way that you do things. You know, there's people that do that. Thank you, Jackie, for sowing that seed. There's people that get romantic. I was dealing, I was talking to a pastor recently. He said, you know, we had a, a Wednesday night service for, uh, you know, we, we, we thought about adding a Wednesday night service to our church and uh, it was for this, this or that. And he just launched his church. I mean, like just launched it, uh, limited help, limited staff. He said, we start doing it. He said, it's, it's a lot of work for us that we're doing that. Plus a youth night plus, plus Wednesday night plus a small group, small groups night. Uh, I said, cancel the Wednesday night for now. I said, how many people are coming to it? He said, we'll have like six to seven to eight people. Cancel it. Just tell them, Hey, we were trying it for a season. We're not going to do it right now. We'll, we may move back into it later. Don't get into tradition. Like we started that Wednesday night. We got to stick with it till the end. Just cancel it. First of all, there were no Sunday, Wednesday night services in the Bible. So don't get romantic about it. If it's not working out for your church, then do something else. Do something. You know, it was working better than his Wednesday night. His doing a Sunday night where he was teaching people the doctrine of scripture had all kinds of people showing up for that. So don't get romantic about the way you do something. Stick to what works. If it's working, keep doing it. If it's not working, cut it, cut it quickly. You know, I got, I got no problem with that. There's things that I was doing in the past that, you know, they just, I didn't feel like they were adding anything or work. I'll, I'll try things all the time. And if I don't like them, if they're not working, I'll cut them out. Doesn't mean I'm inconsistent. It means I'm not romantic about the, I'll try new things all the time. There was a time on YouTube I was doing Monday motivation. I'm doing short videos about Monday motivation. Didn't feel like they were working out or didn't feel like they were streamlined in what the purpose of what God had me on. I just quit doing them. They're still up, but I don't, I don't do them anymore. Don't care to do them anymore. Doesn't make, it doesn't work. Didn't work for me. There were other little things I was doing. We didn't, we're, I'm not doing them anymore because it wasn't producing any fruit. So it's not worth my time. You know, it might, might've been a nice idea, might've blessed a few people, but it, it's not worth my time. If it's not producing any fruit, I'm just going to cut it out. Don't get romantic about it. Don't feel like you failed 
You know, don't feel like you, oh, I failed. I started that and it wasn't working. And I, now I gotta, I gotta, I'm just going to keep on doing it and believe God it'll work. No, don't do that. Analyze it. If there's no growth in it, if there's nothing, if, if it's not impacting anybody, cut it out. And don't worry about the fact that you started something. You know, we hear so many people, you know, you got to finish what you started, brother. Finish what you started. What does that even mean? If it's not working, stop doing it. That's just common sense. And this is a reason I'm saying this is because people will get stuck in this rut of, well, we've always done it this way. We've been doing it this way. And it's been, you know, we set our minds to do it this way. It ain't working. Quit doing it. Do something else. Do what is working. Do what is working. Sometimes you'll learn just as much about what doesn't work as what does. Sometimes you'll learn things even about yourself in doing something that didn't work as things that did. And if it's not, go do another, choose another method, choose another avenue. If that wasn't working for you, well, it worked for them, but it's not working for you. That's all right. The Lord will lead you into what will work for your business, your ministry, your home, whatever it might be. Finances might work for them. It's not working for you. Do something that does. But then when you find what is working and producing fruit, double down. That's the Pareto principle. 20% 20% of the things that you're doing are making 80% of the uh, fruit come to pass. And so focus on those. Analyze it. Know it. Takes introspection to know those things. Takes introspection to know those things. Notice, Paul, I, I dealt with this yesterday. Paul went to Athens and Paul used, uh, you know, philosophy with the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers in Athens to try to get the gospel across, didn't work. Did you ever see him try it again in the Bible? No, he never tried it again. Tried it, didn't work, didn't try it anymore. Do you think Paul should have said, well, you know what, I'm very intelligent. I I trained under Gamaliel. You know, I'm one of the most, uh, you know, learned men in in, in this Christianity. I should keep attempting it. I know God will use this philosophy sooner or later. Nope. Tried it, didn't work, didn't ever try it again. He recognized his mistake and then he spoke to the Corinthians and said, you know what, now that I'm coming to you, I don't come in the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost so that your faith will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. First Corinthians 2, 4. Tried it once, didn't work, didn't try it again. It's all right. It's all right to try things and if they're not working out for your business, your ministry, whatever, cut it. Don't get romantic about it. Here's where people burn out. They keep trying to push something through the door that's not working. Just don't do it anymore. Cut it out and don't be a, you might even have people, I can't believe you stopped that. That was one of my favorite things we did. Yeah. It blows my mind that people can't understand how success works, but some don't. It's like people, if you're a minister in your church, people will literally come up to you and be like, well, pastor, I don't think you're doing enough. I think you need to start this type of ministry or this type of ministry. Then you look at the person, you realize they don't even come to the faithfully to the things we do have. You know, we have stuff going on. You don't even attend that. Why would I take your advice to start something new? You don't even come to the things we are doing. And so think about these things, remove distractions, remove hindrances, streamline Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you and guide you perfectly. But don't get romantic about, 
a tradition. We've always done it this way. We're going to keep on doing it this way. If it's not working, don't keep doing it that way. <laughs> I'll tell you, when I started, uh, I'll, I'll use this example again before I pray for you. But when I, when I started doing uh, the keto diet and I started realizing, I, I talked to uh, my wife, I talked to Tiffany, I talked to others and said, hey, I've, I've hit a place where, you know, after like the water weight's gone and stuff, I'm not seeing the weight loss like I was. Something's up, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Well, when I went back, I could just say, well, I'm going to keep doing it the way I'm doing it. And it's going to work sooner or later. No, be introspective. Go back and find out, recalculate, introspect, look at it. What am I, what could I, what could I be changing? I, I went back and checked it and my calculations were off on a few of the uh, macros. Calculation. I made one adjustment, one adjustment to that uh, calculation started shedding again. One adjustment to the calculation started shedding again. No issues. So if it's not working, recalculate. What's going on? Let me relook at these things. You see what I mean? Don't get romantic about the way you do it. If it's not working, change it. And get distractions out. Streamline your life and stay focused on what God's called you to do. I want to pray for you today. I'm believing God with you that 2021 is going to blow your mind that it's going to be so supernatural that it even blows the minds of those who are not saved that are observing your life. And I believe God will do that. And I believe he'll do it quickly. We're preparing ourselves in the last two months, November and December. We're putting ourselves in position. We're gathering up our garments as Elijah did in first Kings to run, gathering up our garments to run. How do we do it? Number one, we know God's plan and purpose ahead of time. That means you got to fast and pray now, fast and pray now. But get your word before the new year starts. Get your purpose before the new year starts. Number two, we remove distractions. Remove distractions. Don't wait until January to remove distractions. Start now. Start doing it now. And then, of course, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday, I'm going to give you three more, five things you need to do to prepare yourself for the best year that you've ever had. Let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I'm praying for every person watching and listening to me today. I pray in the mighty name that's above every name that your anointing would come upon your people. Open the eyes of every person listening and watching that you would show them exactly what their purpose is you would show them exactly what their calling is so that they can attack it with purpose. I pray in Jesus' name that today you would allow us to see the distractions. Let them be highlighted in our eyes. Let let us easily be able to discern the things that have been sent, whether they were sent by the devil, whether they were sent or generated by our flesh, or the the things that are even a part of our purpose that we need to learn to delegate. Lord, today, in Jesus' name, highlight these things and let us clearly see them so that we can move them out of the way by the power of your spirit and streamline our calling and run with strength and momentum in 2021. We declare, Lord, by your uh, spirit and anointing, we'll be the most impactful we've ever been in 2021. We will rise to a new level of effectiveness By the power of your spirit, we thank you that we will be greater uh, in our faithfulness, we'll be greater in our sowing, we'll be greater in our soul winning, we'll be greater in every, our boldness will increase, every area of our Christian life will get better 
We refuse to diminish. We refuse to sink in Jesus mighty name. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory in Jesus mighty name. And everybody shout aloud. Amen. Throw some fire in the comments, throw some emoji hands up. If you believe with me and you're believing for the best year of your life, it's what we're setting our faith for. It's what we're asking God to do. We're going to give you an opportunity. So those of you, and thank, thank you to those that have already sown. I really appreciate you sowing seeds and we're ramping up, man. I'm starting this week. We've got a brand new course being filmed this week for Miracle Word University on biblical prosperity, divine prosperity. We're talking about what the Bible says about financial prosperity. Is it something you should stand for? Yes. Is it something you should believe as a Christian? Yes. Is it something you should operate in? Yes. And we're going to talk about every aspect of financial prosperity from a biblical perspective in this new course that's coming out at the end of this month. You will not want to miss it. Understanding financial prosperity from a biblical perspective. We're filming the course this week. You're not going to want to miss the course. We'll let you know when it's available uh, for you to log in, sign up to be a part of it. Uh, It's going to be awesome. And then, of course, now that we're back home, I'm filming uh, television broadcasts that are going to start airing around the world in the new year. And we're gearing up for the most impactful year this ministry's ever had. And you're a part of that. As you, as you stand with us in partnership, you are standing with a ministry that's touching the world. So I want to encourage you, those of you that are watching me, I'm asking God to speak to you, to stand with this ministry on a monthly basis. Very easy to do. You can go to miracleword.com. But what I've prayed, what Carolyn's prayed is this, Lord, connect us with a thousand people. That's not even that many people. A thousand people in this nation that will say, I believe in that vision. I believe in what God's called you to do to touch this generation with the gospel before it's too late. That would stand with us at $85 a month. That's like a coffee a day. That's like a cell phone bill. That would say, I'm believing God that this generation will be changed by the gospel before it's too late. And time's running out because Jesus is coming. So pray today and say, Lord, would I be, are are you calling me to be one of the ones that would stand with Ted and Carolyn in partnership on a monthly basis? Maybe you say, well, right now I can't really do $85 a month, but I can do $50 a month. I can do 40, whatever it is the Lord calls you and tells you to do, be faithful to do it. We have others that are doing much more, 100, 500, 750. There's those sowing 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. Maybe God's speaking to you to sow largely from your business, your ministry, personally. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you to send $20,000 or $100,000. Do what the Lord is speaking to you to do and watch as God's blessing comes upon your family and on your business and ministry. For every person that is partnering with us at $85 or more this month, we're going to send you this book by my friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill. It's The Power of Daily Bible Reading. Phenomenal book, and it will put you in perspective Uh, and give you an understanding of the importance of ingesting the mighty word of God every single day. And then of course, for those that are sowing largely, and by the way, I just found this out this morning. There's only like two or three of these left for these limited edition hardcover, um, further faster books. And uh, for those that are giving a thousand dollars or more, we're not only going to give you this limited edition, 
for the next two or three people that do so, uh, but also this Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible, a phenomenal study tool uh, for you guys. Uh, so for everybody that's sewing $1,000 or more, that's going to be my gift to you as well uh, on top of the book by Pastor Joel. And if you'd like to receive that and you've sown seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out that form so we know where to send that book. We're not mind readers. We, we do not operate in the word of knowledge to get your address. doesn't work that way. <laughs> if it did, it would be wonderful because many people don't uh, write legibly even on their cards. And so we appreciate the online forms. But if you'd like to receive it, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, sign up there, let us know where to send your book and we will send it to you because we love you. If you've not gotten involved yet with um, Miracle Word Kids, I want to encourage you to go check it out at miraclewordkids.com. It's all free. And for the, months of, uh, for the month of November, we're dealing with Thanksgiving and praise. And there's a new Bible reading mission for your kids that leads, I believe, all the way up to the day of Thanksgiving. And uh, if you'll go to miraclewordkids.com, you can fill out the form. All of the resources are absolutely free. You can grab them there. Also, Miracle Word University, we've got new courses coming, but we have over 20 hours of teaching in the courses now. And we've bundled them all together and gave you 28% off uh, when you buy all four at once. Only $199 for all four courses. That's 28% off. That's like getting a course for free. So thank you for uh, sewing and thank you for checking out everything we have available to you. Uh, I'll take a couple questions. Miss Hale said, I have a question. Um, Pop it in, Miss Ayala, if you do have a question. Anybody that has some, I'll take a few here before we uh, end the broadcast. Thank you, Grace. Grace has taken the courses, and she's given up the shout-out on YouTube. Great courses. Thank you, Grace. I appreciate that. Love you, and we're looking forward to seeing you uh, in literally just a few weeks. Uh, this Life Application Study Bible... You can get them anywhere. I mean, you can purchase them at Barnes and Noble or, you know, whatever. Um, they're, this one is in the New Living Translation, but they make them in multiple different translations. ESV, I think, New King James, Ver maybe not ESV, but they make the New King James Version and maybe the King James Version. Uh, phenomenal Bibles to have, though. I mean, amazing notes uh, built in. In fact... If you'd like to check out all the uh, tools that we use for Bible study, you can go to the, go to the website, miracleword.com forward slash study. And we have multiple videos there and the tools that we use for Bible study, um, breaking stuff down. We made it all very accessible and easy for you guys to find all in one place. It's miracleword.com forward slash study. Amen. I guess Miss Hale's going to text me or send me a DM with the questions. I love you guys. Thank you for hanging with me. I'll be back again tomorrow, 1030 a.m. We're going to continue on part three. Have a powerful and a blessed day. Thank you to everybody that gave. We love you guys. We'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.